Hey, I'm Wyatt Welch, and you're listening to Echo Talk. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Echo Talk. I'm Wyatt, and this is actually a second part episode to my latest episode of Why I Hate Theater. So this will be the continuation of the reasons why I still love theater. It's kind of like a JK, I actually don't hate theater, I love it. But that's too lengthy of a title episode. And this is actually coming on the day after a closing of a show. So I just closed Evita, I was assistant stage managing it at, at Centerpoint Academy, and it closed last night. So I am recording this episode on a Tuesday, which I know I'm behind. That's that's pushing the limit here, is recording an episode the same day it's going out. But I wanted to... I, I didn't feel motivated to do it last night because, one, we just closed the show. But also, I was tired and my voice kind of hurt. And so right now, I'm healed better. I'm healed better than where I was. I have my, my hot tea here so it can scald my throat so it feels better when I talk. So I'm more prepared today and I'm ready to go. I have some humor I want to sprinkle in. But I wanted to quickly say one more shout out to the Avita cast because they not only did an amazing show, but... It was my first show at Centerpoint Academy, and so I got to work there, and it was amazing. And it was also just fun to see how much talent there was. And also, they were just so kind. They like doubled the listeners in Echo Talk with my podcast just with themselves alone because they were sharing it or liking it with friends, which also reminds me, I want to say thank you to the person who left a review. Let's see if I can. Their name on the Apple podcast was iRocketing, iRocketing, but they left a five-star review. I just wanted to say thank you so much. If you ever leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I will make sure that I can shout you out on the episode. So if you're listening and you haven't yet left an Apple review, or if you want to share it on social medias, tag me, or tag Echo Talk at Echo Talk on Instagram, or tag myself, and I can share that on my social medias, and I'll, sh- I'll shout you out on the podcast too. So if you're ever wanting a shout out, a specific shout out, make sure to leave a review or share it on your social medias, and I will make sure to do that. And without further ado, let's jump into the, why did I forget the name of it? The Pyramid for this week. The Pyramid for this week, drum roll please, is none other than to all the roles I've played before. I have fortunately been able to play quite a lot of my of my favorites, like all of the ones I would ever want to. I've been able to play them. And maybe I can go into another, another episode sometime of just the, my experiences with each show, the shows I've been in. And talk a little bit about my favorite moments, my least favorite moments, how it went, all those things. But I figured for a quick little pyramid, just dive into each role, talk about why I hated it or loved it, and then move on. Now, I should say this. There was not a single role when I was writing writing them down that I ever hated. I think every role that I had, there was some sort of aspect of fun to it. But uh, for comedy, for, for the pyramid purposes, we do have to have a biggest loser. The biggest loser, which also comes or kind of rides with this name, is Zozer. Zozer the loser from Aida. So Zozer is the bad guy. He sings another pyramid. He sings like father, like son. And this is a good role, but it was my senior year. I didn't get the role that I wanted. I wanted to play Radames in Aida, but then I said if I didn't get uh, if I didn't get Radames, I would just want to be in the ensemble so I could dance. I just wanted to dance. I just want to dance with the ballet. I ended up getting cast as Zozer and. It just wasn't my favorite thing that I've ever done. I had to play older. I had to do a fake beard. It just wasn't grand. It wasn't my favorite time. It, the, so- the songs were fun. I will say another pyramid is still a bop, but everything else of that character just kind of wah-wah. I got to kill another person on stage, which was fun, 
But I think, honestly, I would have rather danced in that show to be able to, to experience that. Next up on our pyramid, we have McQueen from You're in Town. So McQueen is uh, is the like henchman almost to the main bad guy, Mr. Cladwell, in You're in Town. And in You're in Town, it's kind of the same situation of, I wanted to dance. I wanted to either be Bobby Strong or I wanted to dance. And then I ended up getting McQueen. And I was... I was pissed about it at first, honestly. I was really pissed about getting McQueen because I wanted to be Bobby Strong or I wanted to dance. And so I developed this character around that feeling. So McQueen was just like this pouty, mean, what's like a catty character that I developed. So he always had like a resting bee face. And so he would walk around with his clipboard and he would say his lines so dry. And I had so much fun with that by the end. So I did actually love this character. The reason he's so low is because there was choreography for Don't Be the Bunny, which is a song in the show. And the whole song is about like, you don't want to be weak. You don't want to be this innocent bunny who gets trampled on or shot or killed or hit by a car, all these things. But the way that they took the choreography was that McQueen was the bunny. So all the things that are being said about the bunny in the song are actually happening to me. So I get electrocuted. I... I'm driving a car and die, all this kind of stuff. But then there was one point of the song of where they are physically walking on me. And so I would lay down on the ground and people would, the, they were instructed to lightly, like put their foot on my back, but hop over me, if that makes sense. So they put one foot on me just for show, but then to hop on over so that they don't actually use me. And I just had to react to it. So everyone did really good at this, except for one kid. One kid would stomp on my back each time. And I, it wasn't even just being mean, like he just didn't get the concept of, oh, if I hurt him, like if I step on him, that's going to hurt him. And he didn't get that concept. So I feel like I still have some back problems from this show, just from that number specifically. So that's why McQueen's rated so low, but I had a grand time. You're in town, still one of my favorite musicals, and I would do it again. If I could play in You're in town again, I would want to be Hot Blades Harry, not even Bobby Strong, but Hot Blades Harry would be ultimate dream role. Next up, our middle ground. This one's probably going to be surprising, but it was Sky from Mamma Mia. The reason why I have it middle ground is I think the role itself, like the the character of Sky, doesn't have much depth to him. He sings Lay All Your Love On Me, which is so, so fun to sing and a fun song to do. But the reason he's medium is because I don't think that if I played this role with a different cast, I don't think I would have enjoyed it. So when I played Mamma Mia, I think it was in 2018, I got to meet my best friend, Callie, Callie Williams. So shout out to her, Callie, or Callie Brinkman now. She's got a little baby. Hi, Augie. So we got to play Sky and Sophie together. And we had went to high school, but never really friends. But then we became such good friends in the show that we ended up living together for, uh, for a year. And all of our friends got to do it. This is kind of where I got my core group of friends. And Emily, Emily and I were in the show together, Mamma Mia. It was so much fun. But I just don't think without that cast, I would have had the same experience with Sky that I did. But I, I still love the show. Sky would, is one of the best roles that I've ever played. And it was so much fun. All right, on to our top three. This was hard to do. I played Corny Collins in Syracuse's Hairspray. He's corny. So Syracuse City did Hairspray. Uh, me, my friend Riley Jensen, you've heard her on the podcast before, or Riley, Riley Nelson now, sorry. All my friends are married and it's just hard to keep up with name changes, okay? So Corny Collins, uh, we, we got together, we auditioned, me and my friend Haley, Aubrey, uh, all of us, and my friend Zara too. We all got together, we went to audition, and we got roles. So I got Courtney Collins, my friend Riley got Penny, and we just had the time of our lives there. It was so much fun. The only thing that was a little bit bad about it is that 
in a play about racism, there was racism happening backstage. And I ended up having to call some people out on it. So that was a fun time. But I was Corny Collins. It was a great show. I would do Corny Collins again. Um, ideally, though, I would love to play Link. By the time that I've reached my, like, where I can no longer play a young character on stage, I would have want to have played Link in Hairspray at some place. It's, ah, uh, that's, that's probably my number one dream role at the moment, is Link Larkin or maybe even Danny Zuko from Greece. But I think Link Larkin beats that one. Next up, our second place is Lucas from Adam's Family. Lucas is Wednesday Adam's boyfriend. Uh, the way that I played Lucas, I normally see the show and I'm always so bothered by the Lucases because I think they play it so boring. Because Lucas, not gonna lie, is kind of a boring character. But the way that I took the approach with him was just over the top, like cartoony. Like if you pictured Gumby as a person, it's him, just this little nerd. I'd walk with glasses and I had this like uptight walk that I would do. It's super scaredy cat, like to, yeah, playing it to the extreme. So that way when he sings the song crazier than you, when he's like, no, I'm fearless, it shows an actual difference. But I had so much fun with this one. I had a wonderful Wednesday Adams. My friend Kate, Kate Potter was an incredible Wednesday and I loved her. And I got to do the show with my friend Maddie, who is my, playing my mom in the show. It was a perfect way to spend Halloween. So Lucas was a, a great role. I would 100% play Lucas again in Adam's Family. And then my last role, my favorite one that I've ever played and probably ever will play just because it has such a, a strong connection with me here is Peter from Peter and the Starcatcher. The reason why I love this show so much is one, Peter Pan's amazing. I love that show. But two, Peter, pa or Peter and the Starcatcher was the first show after high school that I auditioned for. And I remember after high school, I didn't get any of the leads that I wanted. I was just kind of always, I don't know, B cast, B team. I, think, I feel like I was B team in high school. So we had the A team kids who would get the, the main leads. And i not meaning to sound ungrateful or anything here, but I was B team, right? I would come in and... I would do the the funny character side roles or the people that just needed to be filled in somewhere. That was me. And so I just kind of left with the impression of, okay, maybe theater's just not my thing. Maybe I'm just not good enough for it. But my friend Riley and Morgan actually convinced me that like, Peter and the Starcatcher's going on at the Ziegfeld Theater. Jim Christian's directing it and you should just try out. You should audition. I was like, okay, like I'll, I'll give it a go. And so I signed up that same day for an audition. The last day of audition signed up went in, auditioned, and then I got a callback for Peter. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, so maybe I have some talent here. And then lo and behold, I got the role, which was so, so fantastic. And it just kind of proved to me of like, I can act, like I can, I can be an A-team person here. And working with Jim Christian, who is this big theater person in, in Utah, uh, he's in incredible to work with, but just learning so much from him about, not only about acting, but also how to, be a good actor on and off stage. So in things in regards to taking notes or feeling lucky, which we'll talk a little bit more about in my reasons why I love theater. But yeah, I, I love Peter and the Starcatcher. And to be able to be that youthful version of myself of being of the sulky kid who is negative and then evolve into Peter Pan during that show, it was so much fun. So yeah, Peter and the Starcatcher, that was my number one role that I've been. And it's probably my favorite role that I've ever played from going directly from B team all through high school to to the lead with my name my character's name being the name of the show so I was I was thrilled moving on to our five reasons why I love theater because I ragged on it all last week but it's now time to hype theater up because it truly is the best as much as I hate to admit that I'm a theater kid I am a theater kid at heart and it it is great 
So my five reasons here, we'll just start right on in, is number one, the social aspect of theater. Because I, when I'm in a show, I feel so surrounded by by friends and by by people that I can just go hang out with or just go to dinner with. It's so nice because I, I, I think everyone can relate to this. While you're in a show, you are spending so much time with these people. I mean, hours. You're spending your weeknights, your sometimes even weekends with them. And so you have to bond. There's There's no way that you can survive a show without bonding because otherwise it'd just be miserable. And being theater people, we're usually some extroverted people who love to who love to laugh, who like to be silly, and so you kind of bond with these with these friends. And a lot of these friendships sometimes only just last for the show, and that's okay. I think younger theater me would have been like, no, no, these friendships have to last forever. But growing up now and just kind of realizing, like, oh no, that's okay. Some theater friendships are just for that show, and then we can move on. Doesn't mean that we don't have to not be friendly or anything like that, just meaning like you don't have to try so hard to keep those friendships if it doesn't feel natural or if you feel like you're having to force it. That's okay, right? Just some some friendships are just for a show and that's all right. And then maybe you'll meet them again in another show, all that kind of stuff. But just the social aspect of it all is so cool. And still now I'm running into people from shows that I've I've done with like five years ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy that we still recognize each other. We'll just see each other out and about and we'll still say hi. We're still friendly. And that's, we just move on. That's great. I still have a bunch of people on social media that I follow from past shows and it's always cool to see what they're up to. The best way to kind of describe it is, it's so nerdy, but Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, which by the way, they're making a remake and I will do an entire podcast episode about that game because it is my favorite game of all time. Besides the point, it's like in the game of where Mario gets these partners on his adventure and they go do a quest and then they all kind of split up and they're all doing their own thing, but they still check in with each other. And that's how it feels to the theater with me of like, yeah, we're all in this great show together. And then I kind of vision of myself of like, I'll go see my friend working at the store because I know that they're working there that day. Or then I'll go to another show to support them that they're in. And it's, it's fun. It's just being able to have those friendships in, in a show and then having them at a distance, which is healthy and normal after a show. It's great. Number two, active. I feel like I am physically in my best shape when I'm in a show because you are just constantly moving. I I guess not for every show, but for the majority of shows that I've been in, I've always been moving or I've been trying to stay in stay in shape so I can sing while dancing or that I drink water constantly so I don't get sick. I cannot tell you how good my skin looked while I was in 42nd Street this summer because I was just drinking water nonstop. I was tamp- t- tamping, I was tapping and dancing. It felt like I was working out every single day and it kind of was because you had to tap and you had to dance for, for hours. Well, especially me because I was trying to learn how to tap. And so I'd be dancing for hours before rehearsal, get to rehearsal, dance, and then come home. It was a long day, but I felt in such great shape and my skin was just so clear because I was drinking so much water. I I don't think people realize that when you're not on stage, like while people are watching a show, the actors backstage are just chugging water, or at least they should be. But my mouth goes so dry without it. So I'm I'm chugging maybe four water bottles a night, if if at least, of water just to make sure that I can keep up, stay hydrated, and it's so wonderful and I always I always kick the habit as soon as I'm done with the show. So I just need to get in a show, get that water habit, and then keep it going even when I'm not performing. It would be so nice. Number three, there's a spot for everyone. So this sounds cheesy, it sounds stupid, but it's so true when you think about it. Because when I think about sports and stuff like that, uh, this is not ragging on sports, but maybe a little bit. When I think about sports, 
I think you have to be so athletic in order to do it. And there's a lot of us that just don't fit that bill, right? There's a lot of us that would not be able to keep up with a football player. And I guess people can can kind of argue with um, with acting too, right? With with musicals of like you have to be you have to have the talent, which yeah, you do have to have the talent. You have to be able to sing or dance. But then there's also spots in theater for people who still love theater but don't have that acting or singing talent. But there's also costuming, there's set design, there's light design, there's stage managing. And not to say that those people in those roles don't have the talent here, digging myself a hole right now. But it's just saying that if there's a passion for theater, but it, like singing or acting, dancing is not for you, there's still other opportunities in the theater world. And I think it's just so cool because I don't think I've met another type of group that is just so welcoming in a way. I feel like if I talk, to, if I'm talking with someone and I can't find a common ground, like if they're theater people, you always have a common ground there because you can talk about shows, you can talk about things that they've been in, you can talk about accidents or mishaps on stage. It's it's a great way to really get connected with people, kind of like that social aspect there. But having a spot for everyone truly is it's just so nice because you have your tech kids who tech kids usually don't like to be on stage. They don't like the attention on them, but they do have a passion for creating those wonderful backdrops, right? Or the artists that create the backdrops or they create the, the lighting designs and they're able to work those complicated machines in the back that actors have no idea what they're doing. But it's so cool that theater is a place just for so many different types of people to come together to create one beautiful, one beautiful masterpiece. And can I also say, working as the assistant stage manager for Avita, it gave me a better, I guess, understanding of backstage because I've I've done stage stage managing before, but not into this depth as I did at Centerpoint. I was actually working with mics or with the sound cues, light boards, all that stuff, and it was kind of fun because I was like, I didn't realize how much actually went into mic checks of like what it actually entails. I just was like, oh yeah, their mic's working, but it's so much more than that. Same thing with light boards or sound cues. And so it made me definitely have patience of when as an actor that a sound cue goes a little bit wonky or they can't find a certain a certain place for the music to start. It gave me so much more patience and understanding of like, oh, okay, everything's lumped together. So you can't really just get a certain like timestamp because it's you have an hour of music clumped together in one group. So you would have to go through that hour and find the timestamp there rather than just like, it starts at 30 seconds in the song. Like, yes, that's 30 seconds in the song, but it's 23 minutes and 57 seconds in the whole giant track and we have to try to find it. So it's it was crazy with that. Also, another thing too is, I don't know if this stands for everyone, but just something I was thinking about is while watching Evita and watching the kids on stage, I... I feel sometimes of when I'm acting, if I don't have anyone out there, it's kind of just like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing this for myself. Like, a, I, and it's just kind of like a job. It's just, I kind of turn my mind off and I perform and it's fun and it's great. But I sat up there and I would just watch all these actors all the time. I'm like, they're so good. Like they are just, they're amazing to me. And I don't know, just coming, kind of made me realize that even when I don't have someone coming to watch me perform, I still have hopefully, I'll still have cheerleaders in the audience because I definitely sat up in the tech booth watching those kids and same thing with the the other production staff of watching those kids and we were their cheerleaders because we were just in awe of what their talent was and what they were doing and what that they were doing their passion. And so even though we may, may not be vocal cheerleaders, but there's still going to be cheerleaders in the audience. There's still going to be cheerleaders on the, on the tech team. No matter what, if someone's coming to watch or not, you have cheerleaders there for you. Okay, number four. It's fun. I couldn't think of a better thing, but 
theater is just so silly. Like it's sometimes it it kind of cr- makes me cringe with what it, the basis of it is. Is that we're playing pretend on stage, playing pretend, and we're being silly and being dramatic. And I, it sounds so silly, but that's what it is. You're just playing pretend. But it's also so much fun. I I can't tell you how many times I've been in my my room just late at night, and I'll make up like stupid scenarios. I saw this TikTok of where the person was saying when you're just bawling your eyes out in your room because you are pretending to get picked for the Hunger Games and you don't want to go, but you volunteer for your sister. And it's a fake scenario. And I can't tell you, I've done that before. I've done that exact same scenario of where I'm crying because I got picked for the Hunger Games or I'm looking up at the imaginary sky at the the tributes who who done. Or I do interviews by myself of where I'm on uh, Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy, not Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon is where I want to interview. But I do interviews with them, like sit down with a coffee mug and everything. And I just play pretend. That's what I do. So to be able to be with other humans who do that same thing, we we have a lot of, of that in common, of where we can be silly with each other. And it's kind of hard for me sometimes to remind myself of like, you're acting right now. You're going to be, it's going to look silly if you think about it. So I just kind of have to turn my mind off, but also just the randomness of theater too. If, when mistakes happen on stage and then you have to try to recover in the moment, it's the most dramatic thing in the world. But then afterwards, it's such a fun story to tell of all the little fun mishaps that happen there. And then lastly, it kind of goes into memories. So with those fun memories that we talked about, the funny things that happen, but the memories I kind of think about are just moments of where, I don't know, you almost prove it to yourself that you that you did it. For example, um. Peter, Peter and the Starcatcher of just getting that call of like, hey, you got Peter. That was world changing to me because it truly felt like I, I don't know, that I wasn't done because I was ready to give up theater. I was ready to just kind of call it quits. I was, I was accepting my role as B team president, and I just, I, I didn't feel like it was. And so I tried one more time with Peter and the Starcatcher, and I feel so stupid talking about this as I peaked at 18 years old. But I was, it just gave me the confidence, right? To have that memory of, no, like you, you are talented. You can do things. But not only just with proud moments of myself, but there's also moments on stage that I think about quite often. I know I talked about it in a past episode with The Curious Savage, this movie or this musical play, this play about an old lady who gets put into a, a crazy house on purpose so they can get money stolen, whatever. But Claire de Lune plays at the end and everyone sees themselves for how they truly are. That's one of the most core memories that I can think about because it just, I don't know, every time I hear that song, I'm brought back to that moment. And I think to myself, okay, okay, I can see myself for what I want myself to be. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that everyone should have a, a Claire de Lune moment there. Another moment, I think I probably talked about this too, but is in Spelling Bee. We had, we did it in high school. And so we had these two parents parenting, we'll call or my friend Ashley. So Ashley's parents were at the spelling bee and they were mad because she lost. And so they left. So they would leave the spelling bee and then Ashley would sing the sad song and then she would leave the room. And normally the parents would have to go, like me and the other parent would have to go run and get ready for a quick change or something. And so she would end up coming off the, the stage sad after singing her sad song and leaving, just walking to her by herself. And so on the final night, oh, it makes me it makes me so happy to think about. She sang her song and I watched her in the doorway and she did incredible as always. And she's coming down the hall, like I can see her and she has her head down. And then I meet her at the doorway and she looks up and I just, I just go, I felt like you should have had someone here for you tonight. And we just hugged each other and it was such a cute moment because even though it is theater, it's, 
you kind of play into those sad times. I mean, not necessarily you don't fit the the exact situation every time with the character, but you can relate. Uh, just with Evita, they were talking about how um, Evita's body is decaying as she's giving her final speech, don't cry for me, Argentina. And I didn't even make this connection until last night, but I was like, whoa, that's such a strong thing here. As she says, don't cry for me, Argentina. She obviously sings that line a bunch of... Okay, let me actually look up what the lyric says so I don't get it wrong. Okay, so she sings, Don't cry for me, Argentina. The truth is, I shall not leave you. Though it make it harder for you to see me, I'm Argentina and always will be. Watching it and hearing it for months, I was like, okay, yeah, Argentina's got their their beautiful leader in charge. But then just kind of thinking about it, I was like, my grandma kind of said something similar in a way of when before she passed, she was talking about how when we miss her, she doesn't plan on going far. And so it just kind of made me think of like, oh my gosh, like this is something that I can think about here with my grandma is, yes, it's, I, I can't see her anymore, but there's been so many moments of where I have felt her with us. And I just know that she's still, she's still my grandma. Grandma's still here with me, even though it's harder for, for me to see her. She's still here with me. She's not left. She's not gone. And I think theater just does a great job with capturing those kind of moments and just providing those moments of where, like I said, it may not blindly, or it may not exactly line up in the situation that you are in, but you can take so many different things from a show, so many different interpretations of what you see on a stage or how a, an actor even reads lines and interpret in a different way. But the way that people do that leaves you with memories, good or bad. But I would like to say most of my memories of theater are those beautiful moments of where I don't think I could find this organically in life. But theater helps provide that outlet of making those connections happen, right? That's where I find more of those beautiful core core memories, those TV show moments, as I find them because of theater. And I know it's probably been cheesy of an episode, but that's just, it truly is something that is unexplainable to people. Because I think to the outside eye, people who don't do theater, yes, we theater kids, we are loud, we are constantly craving attention or wanting to perform or show off for other people, not show off in a bad way, but you know what I mean. And it's just something that until someone experiences theater, I don't think they will ever truly wonder, or I don't think they will ever truly realize how awesome it is. And I just hope that there are people out there that realize like, I don't know, maybe someone in my same situation of where they felt like they were B team of just that, that was B team for one person's vision. Right. And I think that's kind of where some people's ships sink is because they don't get cast in something and they think, well, I'm just not good. I'm not talented anymore. And something that I've really learned a lot and am still trying to work through and learn. I feel like I'm saying this phrase so much, but from my experience now and from what I know today, it's just because you don't get cast in something doesn't mean that you're not talented. It just means that the director, the person casting had a different vision as to what you had. And that's okay because you could be doing, you could be auditioning for the same show with uh, five, di- five, di- well, five different directors and five different directors would have different casts each time. So it's just truly up to the person casting in their own vision. So just because you're not getting cast in something doesn't mean you're bad, right? It means that just wasn't your vision at the time. And I think had it not been for Jim Christian and that Peter and the Starcatcher, I think I would have had a pretty, a pretty sunken ship but he definitely was able to offer that new perspective, that new vision of saying like, hey, you can do this. I do I do see talent or I do see potential in you. And so to be able to work towards that, I think is incredible. Thank you so much for listening to me just babble on about theater. I hope you guys enjoyed it. 
one more time just because they were incredible and they closed last night and they have been such a big support for this podcast. Thank you, Evita Kids. I hope you know that. And same goes for anyone that I've ever done a show with. We'll, we'll get cheesy here and we'll plug in this last little thing of what Evita said. Though it may get harder for you to see me, I'm Argentina and always will be. So if our Argentina was us being friends, super close friends and, and laughing all the time, that even though it's harder for us to see each other now, just know that you still got a cheerleader in your life in, in, in any aspect. So if you ever need a cheerleader, just, just know that I'm still there cheering you on, rooting for you. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas if you celebrate or happy holidays if you don't. A Happy New Year. We're coming up here. This will be the last episode before Christmas for me, I believe. I don't know if I'll get an episode out next week just because it is the holidays. If it does get out, then wonderful. And if it doesn't, then I will catch you in two weeks. Goodbye.